let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to this opinion special where we're going to be doing something a little bit different this time, aren't we, Martin? <laughs> That's one way of putting it, Steve. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I, I am actually looking forward to this. And there is an element of trepidation. That there is, but whatever it is we're doing, which we're not going to reveal just yet, um, we're not doing it alone. We're, we're joined by returning guest, Jezza. Jezza, welcome back to Opinions. It's great to be here and thank you guys for the invitation. Although I think it is a bit of a dubious honour, uh, <laughs> I have to say. But I'll, I'll say no more until you get a bit further down the line. Okay, well, let, let's explain what we're doing. Um, so some of our listeners will remember that the last time you was with us, Jezza, was back on Opinion 77, which was in January 2019, where you very kindly took us through a tasting of um, a series of still knacked beers that you'd been saving over a number of years. And, and you took us through all the different complexities of the beers and the different ages and the things that you've noticed in the time that you've been aging them. And, and Martin and I were were thoroughly blown away by that and and we thought what better way to repay that favor than invite you on a show uh to drink some dusty old shit that we picked up at a boot sale for 15 quid um basically what what we're drinking um is about two years ago um m sister sent me a picture from, from a boot sale of, of a bucket of beers and, and she said these are 15 quid do you want them and i was like yes yeah yeah absolutely why not i'm, I'm sure i can do something with them uh when i got them there was, uh, I think there was 14, 15 beers in total. And, and all of them were brewed to commemorate the royal wedding of Prince Charles and Lady Diana in 1981. And I've hung on to those beers for two years, waiting for an opportunity to do something with them. And then I noticed the date on them being the 29th of July, 1981, which is actually today, the day that we've released the podcast. So it's the 40th anniversary of the Royal Wedding. So therefore it's the 40th anniversary of these beers. So yeah, we thought, brilliant, let's get Jezza on. Let's let's get him to try these old beers with us and um, see if they're any good, really. Yeah, so Jezza, welcome again. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm just so flattered that the first person you thought of when you saw a bunch of dusty old crap kind of market in wherever it was, was me. I, I think I need to get a badge for this or something. I, I, I think I think the reason why our, our first thoughts came to you was 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 that you do have a bit of knowledge in terms of aging beers, and and I know you've been involved in discussions on on, on Twitter before about old beers, and and you've, you've I think you've tried quite a few yourself in the past. So um, I will confess to having never tried anything like this. So this is going to be a real first for me. So as, as I mentioned, we've each got four different beers. They're all from different breweries. Um, and essentially what we're going to do is we're going to do four rounds of tasting. We're, we're, going, we're going to try a beer. We're going to have a chat about it. We've all done a little bit of research on the, on, on, on the breweries. Um, and and we're basically we're doing this for your entertainment. 
We're going to spit out beer over our own laptops and iPads. Yeah. And and I think you can probably tell that I, I'm delaying opening the first <laughs> beer as much as possible here. I let's, think, come on. Let's let's do it. Let's let, let's let's get into the first one and, and, and see what we've got in these in these bottles of, of 40-year-old beer. So, um, Jezza, do you want to tell us what, what your first one is? The first one that I've got is from Jennings uh, in Cockermouth. Jennings Brothers Limited Celebration Ale Royal Wedding is pretty much the only information on the label. It does say the size of the bottle, which I think is 275 mils. It's a bit of paper missing. So the, bo- the one I've opened is... Um... It's an 180 milliliter bottle or 6.34 fluid ounces. It's called an extra strong ale. It's from King and Barnes Limited in Horsham and it's called Celebration Royale. Um, and the label's actually in quite good nick, fair, fair play. I mean, it's poured out a nice dark color and it hasn't given off any pungent aromas, but it is it is dead. It is a camera part, it is a camera pour. What is, how has Jezza got ahead? On, on his beer. You, you obviously just poured it the right way, guys. Um, <laughs> I was watching what you did. That's what I did earlier. Why have we given him the beer which had life in it? I've no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't tasted it yet, but I, I will do so now if, uh, I, if you're ready. Uh, well, l- let me just introduce mine quickly. Uh, this one's called Royal Owl. Um, it's from the Oldham Bruco uh, Limited. Uh, it's a 180 mil bottle. And again, no ABV on it. So no idea what this was when it was first released. Um, right, come on then. Let's, let's do this then. Well, I, I think this is going to, I think this is going to taste good. So uh, yeah, I'm going in. Okay, cheers. Um, my one's not disgusting. Neither is mine. It's flat. Yeah, mine's flat. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the bar a little bit. Mine's quite good. Oh, this is <laughs> no, no. We should be pleased about that. That, that, that yeah. Jez has got the good ones. Yes, yes. Because also it means we may still have access to his stash one day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Jez. So while while we're tasting tasting this, we'll um, <laughs> form some thoughts while, while while we're tasting it. You you had a little pop at us there, and 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 you said we should have poured it properly. Um, Obviously, from the last time that, that, that you were on, you, you do have quite a bit of knowledge around um, ageing beers and looking after beers and seeing how they change over time. Um, it's, it's, that's obviously a, a hobby, a passion of yours. But is there any is there any skill or, or, or science involved in that? Or is it is it simply a case of you know what beers will age and then it's a case of trial and error in terms of how they taste? Yeah, I think there's a lot of trial and error in it. And then you build up a bit of experience of what works and what doesn't. So you tend to avoid aging stuff that you know needs to be drunk more quickly. And you start to age things that that you know or that you suspect might work quite well. Uh, so initially I started off, uh, this is a way before uh, Twitter. I was part of a a beer message board called the Burgundian Babble Belt. I think we must have talked about this when I was on before. And that had a, there was a great international community, uh, including uh, uh, quite a few participants from America, some from Belgium, a lot from the UK. And one of the things that a lot of people there talked about was about aging beer. And I got a lot of tips from the participants there. So I knew, for example, that Lambics would age pretty well. 
Uh, there were quite a few of the American barley wines that people aged. So Sierra Nevada, Bigfoot, Anchor, Old Foghorn, uh, just two examples I can remember. Uh, and then people started talking about um, aging Stillenacht. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and that, that was around the time when Stillenacht went up from 8% to 12% ABV. And it did age pretty well when it was 8%, but it aged even better when it, from when it was 12. And uh, so I started off, uh, I can't remember what the first sort of batch I bought to age was, but I suspect it probably was still an act. And then, of course, the other thing you do is age stuff accidentally, and that's where the trial and error comes in. So, you know, no surprise, bigger, darker, uh, richer beers, uh, ABVs and double figures tend to age quite well. Uh, Lambics would be the big exception to that, much lower ABVs, but they age pretty spectacularly in some cases. Uh, and then I suppose there's another category of, uh, of stuff that you wouldn't expect to age at all that, that, that works really, 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 really well. Um, it's hard to know with this Jennings beer which category this falls into because we don't have any information about the ABV. So I, I was just expecting all of these to be somewhere between 4 and 5%, 6% maybe tops. I'm now wondering if this one's a wee bit stronger. Yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking... Because my beer is quite dark, and there is some underlying sort of fruitcake flavour, which I know it says extra strong ale, so it doesn't really tell me much, and it, you know. But I've got a feeling that certainly my set of beers may be higher than I thought they might have been, because I think I was going to make that assumption as well, Jezza, because obviously your your point there about the aging, I think in my head. When we first got these, I had it in my head, they may be quite lightish beers in terms of ABV. So I'm thinking that's still, that's that's another notch down, but it's taking what this could be because it hasn't even got the ABV to sort of back it all up. You'll remind me again, what was the brewery, the beer you're drinking? Uh, Jennings from Cockermouth. Okay, so Jennings are, are they part of the Marston's stable these days? <clears throat> Jennings founded at Lorton in 1828, uh, concentrated at Cockermouth by 1887, following the purchase of Wyndham's Brewery, the public company registered in the same year with 41 tied houses, purchased by Wolverhampton and Dudley Breweries in 2005. It's obviously still brewing. The company renamed itself Marston's 2007. I, I, think, I think we've all got very similar stories uh, about these these breweries haven't we i mean the, the one that i'm drinking is oldham Brew, brewery co limited they were founded in 1868 um, and acquired by boddington's in 1982 uh, and there was initially an agreement to keep the brewery open for five years and then it promptly closed in 1988 so as soon as that agreement was 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 up they uh they closed the brewery um in 95 it was a cry acquired by green greenall whitley and co and ceased to in, uh, exist independently and then became part of ab inbev uh, after that but was closed in 2005 and later demolished so the, the, the Oldham Brewery Co Limited is is no more probably gone then yeah it's a, yeah. a very very typical tale unfortunately isn't it yeah. if it was as I was writing my little notes of the five beers I had so King and Barnes of Horsham so King and Cerns Limited of North Brewery merged with GH Barnes and Co East Street Brewery in 1906 to form Kings and Bar King and Barnes Limited when the East Street Brewery is closed. 
King and Barnes North Brewery was acquired by Hall and Woodhouse Limited with 55 houses, and the brewery was closed in August 2000. So, if we go back to 1906, that means that these breweries had merged in the 1800s, but by 2000, it's another one's gone and closed. Yeah, it's it's, it's a shame, isn't it? When you, you know you start looking back over these breweries, and when when you think about it, 40 years isn't really that long ago. No, oh, it felt like I was writing obituaries when I was yeah. typing up my notes. It, it was quite sad um, because King, for some reason, I mean, King King and Barnes, that name I, I was familiar with. I didn't really know much about them. And I just had a quick look on uh, Untapped. And so under Kings and Barnes Brewery, it says no longer in business. But interestingly, people have had a lot of their old beers and, you, and t- put them in Untapped. Oh, okay. So someone's put in the Festival Ale 1998, Christmas Ale 1996, and I did see a Jubilee Ale 1977. So someone has put into Untapped a beer four years pr- prior to this one we're drinking now. Goodness. So I'm going to find out if this one's in it, and I might add it myself now, now that I've seen that other people have done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I was wondering how many of these I'm going to have to add from scratch. I haven't looked, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to guess. <laughs> Most of them. Um, what, what, what are we getting flavour-wise? Because I, I've, got, I've got to say that the, the aroma on mine isn't isn't awful. It, it, it's it's quite reminiscent of port. It's it's a little bit earthy. Um, Colour-wise, it looks like a barley wine. Um, I, I think if if this had a little bit of life in it, that the, the flavours that would come through would be very characteristic. Um, of, of, of a barley wine uh, that there is some some sweet subtle sweetness in there um, some raisins maybe a little bit more earthiness on the finish and, and a little bit of muskiness as well and I'm, I'm just guessing that's that's the age yeah see I'm getting I haven't got much on the aroma but the, the flavour actually the more I taste it the more I'm thinking the flavour is quite nice it's definitely it's rich dark fruit cake is what I'm getting off this and there isn't a residual sweetness there's a quite a, a heavy sweetness to it as well um, yeah, the only thing lacking, is, well, two things lacking is any sort of aroma, but then I'm also grateful it's not the wrong kind of aroma I'm getting. Um, but yeah, it's the life. Um, there isn't any life to sort of lift it, but for a 180 milliliter bottle that has probably been stored in a variety of locations open to seasons over the last 40 years, as the first one, it is way better than I thought or hoped it would be. So I'm, I'm getting a great aroma of sort of, sort of marmalade, almost a marzipan type aroma, somewhere, some lovely mix of rich fruitcake, win, wintery flavours. It's evocative of winter. Uh, the the flavour actually is very similar, but actually now we're getting a bit down the glass. It's fading a little bit perhaps just showing its age. Uh, but overall, very, very impressed with this. And I think it's only going to be downhill all the way after this. <laughs> yeah, by, by, by hook or by crook, we could have ended up picking the first beer as the best one with no science behind it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, it's a complete random selection, wasn't well, it? Well, there isn't much to go on. I mean, if we talk about the labels, they don't give much away, do they? they they're definitely all about... Um, the pageantry of the event it's no doubting what the event is about and minimal detail about the beer yeah no no i think we've said no abv 
on on any of them. So very difficult to know where they started their life. Can't find um, the barcode anywhere either. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, no best before day. No, uh, no, no. Um, no information. <clears throat> no information that we might now consider to be quite basic, uh, like that. Uh, I, I'm reminded of the um, probably, in my view, the best uh, performing British beer when it comes to aging. Uh, certainly, of recent decades, has been Thomas Hardy's in its various iterations. Uh, and I had a 50-year-old version from the July 68 bottling. I had a one. Of, it was one I picked up in Pitfield Beer Shop about 20 odd years ago, and kept it till it was 50 years old. And I had it uh, about a year ago. Must must have been a year. It was before the pandemic, but shortly before the pandemic, shared it with Steve, who helps with the beer guide, and uh, it was a great experience. Uh, and I know it wasn't a fluke. That's that's what that beer does, and they put 25 years on their label, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I'm wondering if 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 uh, best before was mandatory in those days, what would they have put on these beers? It's actually quite mind blowing that these beers were all brought out by so many breweries, and we've only got a snapshot. I mean, let's presume that other breweries must have done the same. Yeah, yeah, I I, I imagine so. Um, there's a lot of beer that people were, they resumed. Yeah, a bit of yeast there at the bottom of your So I, uh, Yeah, I managed to, to, to avoid pouring the sludge. I'm, I'm, I've drank everything else, but I'm not going to drink that bit because it is very muddy. Just poured it in separate now. And uh, yeah, it was incredible how well that beer poured, given its age. Uh, mine, I'm just looking at the bottom of my bottle, actually. Mine is imprinted. Any sludge of mine is imprinted at the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> which would tend to indicate that this bottle has spent most of its time standing upright as well. I've, I've got mud literally come out of the bottom of mine. Um, just a dark brown <laughs> liquid that isn't even anywhere no. near reminiscent of the, 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 the beer that went before it. Yeah, yeah. But isn't it quite weird that, you know, we, you know, for whatever reason, someone has held on to these. I, I, I honestly think, given, given the, the, the state that, they, um, that Hannah picked them up from at, at the boot sale, they were literally just thrown in, in this, um, I think it was a metal milking bucket uh, with, with a bit of cloth covering them. Um, they've clearly not been looked after. Uh, I, I had to clean all of the bottles up when, when I got them, because I'd say most of these bottles were covered in some sort of mould as, as, as well. So they've barely, clearly been kept somewhere damp. Uh, or as you say, Martin, they've, they've just been open to the elements um, season after season somewhere. But having said that, what I will say is that our, our initial thoughts on the first, first beer each, I would say have exceeded our expectations. And that, that, therefore, it must be that they must have done something right. And this is the fascination with ageing beer, because you never know, you might get something really interesting way down the line, just like we've got right now. Yeah, I've got, I've got to say that the first beer wasn't terrible. It, it was, it was rather, rather enjoyable. And I, I, I am questioning the ABV on it as well, because my cheeks mm. are feeling quite warm after it as, as, as well. I'm, I don't think it was massive, but I, I'm I think sure it was... Going for. I'm not sure what's going for next, because I've got four still left. I know, uh, so I've got five, and I've decided all five have to go in one go. So <laughs> um, now I'm just wondering what to go for. So... Well, I'm going to go for my next one is from uh, a brewery that does still exist today, and that's Hook Norton. 
this is Royal Wedding Owl is, is next for me. So let's have a look and see what we've got in this one. That's a very tough cat to get off. Hopefully it's done its job then. Mine had a bit of a poof. There's another massive head. There we go. I've got some head this time. Brilliant. I've, I've, nice I've used, one. used the Jezepaw. I can't get the cat Oh, this, this one smells really good, actually. All right. There we go. Look at uh, that you one. See, you're, you're, you're both perfect. Look at that. Seriously, I mean, I'm not being funny. I know we're, we're talking about look at that um, because we're, we can see each other on Zoom, but my beer just pulled out a lovely orange, golden sort of orange hue with like a two-finger head on it. I don't even know. I don't even know if I need. I want to smell it or taste it because I'm going to. I might ruin the moment. This this one's darker than my first one. So mine is uh, um, lighter and it's much more an amber. Uh, the other one might have been a dark amber or uh, a light lighter dark ale, and it's poured a massive head without even too much effort. And it's called Royal Celebration Ale by a deceased brewery called. North Country Breweries Limited from Hull. And again, no ABV, it's a 275ml bottle. Yeah, what, what, what did you say you were opening, Steve? What was your one again? I've, I've got a uh, Royal Wedding Owl from Hook Norton, and it's in a 274ml bottle, which I am finding quite amusing because it's the same size as two other bottles that I've got here, and they're both advertising themselves as 275 mils. So I, I don't know where it's lost that one mil. Okay, well, without us planning this, I have a beer with the same name, Royal okay. Wedding Ale from Morels, uh, in a 275 milliliter bottle. Um, I know nothing else about it. I know a few bits about the brewery, but have you have you tasted your beer yet? Not not yet. No, I was uh, right. I was I was holding fire. Cheers. Cheers. That one's really chocolatey. Well, I, I would say uh, I'm surprised at the chocolate comment because it doesn't look dark enough to be a big, rich, chocolatey beer. No, I, I don't think it is. Um, it's 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 dark. I mean, it's a dark brown. Um, but I'm I'm getting I'm getting chocolate notes on it. I'm getting the real earthiness again, and it's a it's a it's a really dry earthiness on 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 the finish. Um, that that mustiness is there again, which you know that's been in both of them now. So I'm I'm just going to put that down to to, to their age. Um, but again, it's um it's not disgusting. No, yeah. it's mine. Well, <laughs> I think we've got six out of six. Six out of six that are definitely not disgusting and. I would suggest a lot better than than that. Actually, this is another very decent beer for 40 years old. If you were blind tasting this, and this yeah. is an open question, but say to you first, Jezza, would you be able to spot this was a, a 40-year-old beer? Because I would have to say at the moment, I wouldn't be able to spot that in the two beers I've had. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because you, you've referred, Steve, to the mustiness. Uh, I'm certainly getting that a little bit of that in this. I got, got a little bit in the first. I mean, it's classic for any beer of that age, uh, even in the Stellanox that we uh, tasted a couple of years ago. I think the oldest was only about six years old, but there was that definite aged profile. 
And obviously you multiply that up by six or seven times older. And uh, yeah, could you tell that was 40 years old? You, you might hazard a guess that it's not, not a young beer. Not sure I'd go to 40 though. No, I, I, I don't think I would. I'd be, I would, I would, yeah. I, maybe on the first beer, you'd say for me, definitely older and probably the same for Steve because of the uh, lack of life. Plus with Steve, the bit of mustiness. But given that my second one has both got, it's very much a, feels like an amber ale, to be honest, in all, all but name. Um, and it's got quite a nice, some subtle, subtle flavours, no musty aroma. And it, I, the bit I'm amazed at is life. I don't, I don't understand how that's possible after 40 years. I'd love to know the ABVs of these beers. I, I, I was going to say, I think my first one, despite the fact it was in very fine condition, I didn't feel it was anything particularly strong. And I'm not getting a huge hit out of this. I'm not thinking this is a massively strong beer either. So you therefore, drink, you drink a lot of still, you drink a lot of still and act, Jezza. So a lot oh, of beers not, aren't not, going to be that strong. Not in, not in July, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I wonder if um, particularly the beers that are that we've got that are from breweries that are still in existence today. Um, I'm, I'm wondering um, whether it might just be worth dropping those breweries a note just, just to see if they've got any historical records of, of, of these beers and actually what, what the ABVs were when they went into the bottle. Because surely that would, have re- that, that would have been recorded in the, 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 the brewer's log, wouldn't it? Well, it'd have to be, wouldn't it? Because tax, tax was still linked to your ABV, wasn't it? I don't know whether it was your starting or finishing, but the, the, the gravity and tax were still linked, if I remember correctly. So we didn't think about that beforehand, Steve. I was, gonna, I was literally just sitting here thinking, why, why are we talking about this now? We should have done all this research before we recorded this show. Not, not, not in the middle of the show going, oh, well, it would, it would have been great to have contacted the breweries, wouldn't it? Uh, but maybe we can follow up on that and, and, and follow up on it on a future or, show. if anyone else knows, please do let us know and save us the, save us the hassle. Yes, but, um, yeah. So my, my brewery, um, Morals, uh, Mark and James Morrill joined Edward Tawney's firm in 1797 and carried on after retirement the next year, registered in April 1943 to acquire the business for Morrell's trustees. Brewing ceased in 1998 and site sadly developed into housing, mainly demolished for houses. The estate of 107 became a pub co and was sold to Green King in 2002. So that's that's where Morels ended up. So I, having I, having I been I've around heard that name before, having been around since 1797, they were gone again by roundabout just a turn of uh, well the millennium really. Um, I'm I'm I might be a stretch here, but I'm sure that Green King have put beers out under the Morels name. It's quite possible breweries. Have I done think that I think you're right. I think you're right. Um. Martin, did you say 1797? 1797. So North Country Breweries, the beer I'm drinking, the Royal Celebration Ale, founded in 1765 as John Ward's Brewery, moved to Anchor Brewery in 1868, registered in January 1888 as the Hull Brewery Company to acquire Gledo Dib & Co. I assume that's another brewery. Uh, Acquired by the Northern Dairies Limited, 1971, with 212 tied houses, a name 
changed as above to in 1974, presumably to North North Country breweries. Bought by, bought by the Mansfield Brewery Company in May 85 and brewing ceased by October 85. Well, that didn't take long, did it? In that last no, buyout. Incredible. Yeah. The, um, the, the brewery that I've got is relatively young compared to, to, to your two breweries then. Um, so Hook Norton was founded in 1852 by John Henry Harris. Uh, in 1951, the Gilchrist family of Burtonwood Brewery acquired a substantial shareholding. Um, now, Burtonwood Brewery Co. Uh, also went on to have an arrangement with Eldridge, Eldridge Pope & Co. And they also brew their beers as Thomas Hardy brewers as, as well under that name uh, and then in March 2015 Molson Coors purchased the brewing and kegging operations from Thomas Hardy but Hook Norton still remain an independent brewery um, the original Maltins of the Victorian Tower Brewery uh, is now a visitor centre there's a museum shop bar and restaurant and it's it's, it's open daily so um, it's one of the uh, few breweries of, of 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 these beers that still survive in today yeah i've never been been there myself i mean it's um oxfordshire way isn't it yes yeah okay now that's quite that's quite nice we've got a live brewery then yeah yeah yes yeah, not not quite the obituary we were writing then yeah um it's it's probably a good point to say what while, while we're drinking this this beer which we've all got a fairly decent pour this time i've, I've still got head in mine and, and i'd go so far saying i've got a little bit of lacing going on down my glass as well which i'm i'm, I'm quite surprised with but um we the three of us here uh, are all of fairly similar age so just just thinking back to 1981 and and, and the royal wedding i i know for for me it was certainly um something that i remember as being other than maybe like the FA Cup final or, or, or the Olympics, it, it was one of the first major events that I ever saw on television that, that got the sort of coverage that, that, that it got. Is, is, is that the same sort of recollection that, that, that you guys have from then? Oh, well, I can remember clearly, but I missed it. <laughs> because... For some reason, I decided to go on some, I was 13, 13 years old. And I was on a, some youth club camp or something up on the north coast of Northern Ireland. And that there was clearly no TV and nobody was going to arrange for us to get one. So we passed the day without seeing this amazing event. Uh, obviously seen it later. But yeah. uh, yeah. I, mean, I, can't but remember. I remember I remember my mum being incredibly excited about it. I was yeah, 10. Was... I, I, can, I couldn't work out why, but you sort of got carried away with the excitement. I, I remember the whole family sitting around the television and it, it being something that we had to watch together. Yeah. Um, but I don't, like I say, before that, I don't ever remember. I think, I think my first member, memory of do, doing something like that and watching a, a big event on television was when West Ham last won the FA Cup in 1980, which was the, the, the year before. Um, you, you know, it's, it, it just, it, it's, uh, you still have those striking images from inside because um, it, it was at St Paul's Cathedral as well, wasn't it? You still have those striking images of um, Lady Diana's wedding dress and the train going all the way up the aisle and you know the press coverage literally went on for days didn't it afterwards 
Yeah, and I mean, we only had the three channels as well. Yeah. So it was it was there. You you know that was pretty much the only thing on anyway. Um, but yeah, I do remember it was it was it must have been a bank holiday because we were living above the off license, so the shop would have been open normally. Um, but I do remember we had to be quiet. We, we were supposed to sit down. We were supposed to watch it. We were supposed to pay attention. And my mum saying how uh, beautiful Lady Diana looked and the dress and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not sure I took it all in, but I vividly remember it being an event mm. to watch. And then the whole thing about them, them travelling all the way back to Buckingham Palace, them going out the balcony, all those sort of things, whether I got it all or not. But yeah, before that, it, it was the same as you, Steve, sporting events. Yeah, FA Cup final. Probably my first one I remember was the World Cup final in '78. Um, remember watching that, but it was it was sporting events, World Cups, FA Cups, Olympics. This was probably the first for me because I don't remember the Jubilee in '77. So this was the first one for me that I remember that was a non-sporting event, must-watch TV. I suppose the difference for the Jubilee is that it was a, a year's worth of events, or there was, you know, it wasn't just that one day. That's true uh, as well. That's so true. there was exci- excitement, and it was a big event and all the rest of it, but this was on a different scale altogether, and it was, I think that excitement, it was a bit of a must-watch programme, apart from for the people running my camp, <laughs> age 13. <laughs> Well, well, things certainly moved quickly back then because the, uh, the they announced their engagement in January in 1981. That the, the wedding was in July, and then they announced the the, the pregnancy of, of of Princess Diana in November of, of that year. So they that, they certainly didn't hang around with stacking up the, uh, the, the 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 big reasons to celebrate, did they? But that's probably you know that sort of event. Even you know for us in the UK, I can't picture what could top that going forward again in the in i know that if you look at wikipedia there have been events that have gone past that in terms of numbers but but captures so many people at the same time i i I think uh possibly um princess diana's funeral maybe uh yes that did that was higher up would would have been up there and i'm not including sporting events because i think the the recent euro final was higher but if we talk about non-sporting events there's not going to be many is there not going to be many i wonder how many tuned into wills and Catherine's wedding 10 years ago yeah. it was quite high i was actually in belgium mm. for that i was in bruges mm-hmm. it was a very and it was spectacular weather as well april time yeah. um so yeah i remember stopping there was actually a massive i actually just stopped outside a shop you know t- 10 years ago when you could actually look at tvs outside a shop window <laughs> and um there was actually loads of people the benefit of loads of people standing out watching the Royal Weddings at the bars was slightly freer, mm. which is always a nice thing when you get to Bruges. T- t- 10 years ago, when you could still travel to places like Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've just poured the rest of my bottle out of, of, of this one, and I didn't quite get the, the, the mud water this time. I've, I've got a fairly clear pour, just with some floaty bits in it this time. I, again, I'm, I'm not going to drink that because that's obviously 40-year-old yeast in there, and not really sure what that's going to do to my insides. Somebody will probably tell me it'll do nothing, um, but I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to take that on board. You've definitely got some mud there, Jezza. Yeah, I left a bit more of this one. Uh, not because it was bad. It wasn't quite as good as the first one, but it was still a very enjoyable beer. Um, but I just uh, I thought I'd quit while I was ahead on that one. So there's a wee bit of 
I've got Di dilution of the sludge. I've got quite a bit of yeast, but it is all settling at the bottom rather than maybe being the sort of mud yeah. kind of thing. My, the, the bottom of my bottle is clearer. What is yours uh, still caked, Martin, for this one? No, this one has definitely, most of it has come out and there's a yeah. little bit sludge at the bottom yeah. rather than the first one. I, I'm quite excited now to, to see what comes next. I'm opening my next one. I'm, 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 I'm really, really excited uh, about this little experiment. I'll tell you what, though, these caps and off been put on, haven't they? Yeah, but that, that's what I was thinking. Has that helped? Because I've struggled to get these caps off much more than modern day bottles. Yeah. yeah. Younger bottles. I do wonder if, it, if it's helped. So got, not, not much air getting in there, no chance of that. I've got, got a little got a fizz little... off of that one. Yeah, yeah. I've got a little hiss. Okay, I'm really happy with that, Paul. Look at that. Three out of three brilliant big heads. Oh, there's bubbles in the glass. I've got like a free finger head. It's golden again. Um, I've got Royal Match from Ringwood, which I think we know is now part of Marston's. Yep. Um, 264 milliliter bottle. I mean, they came up with some seriously weird bottles, bottles didn't they? Mm -hmm. um, or nine and two thirds fluid ounces. Um, a traditional strong owl brewed at a special gravity of 1052. But there's no way of me knowing why that is a special gravity, whether this was a iteration of another beer they had. Well, maybe someone will know and be kind enough to tell us. Um, mine is uh, a, a dark ruby colour. Uh, again, I seem to have got all the the, the, the darker beers. Um, some of the beers you chaps have been pouring have been a little bit lighter. Uh, I've got a lovely, uh, almost sort of kind of slightly beige um, head to it this is um simply called well it, it just says on the label the marriage of the prince of wales and lady diana spencer wednesday the 29th of july 1981 young rowley brewed and bottled by pain and co limited from st neots in cambridge um oh no that's the one i managed to find some extra notes on as well so okay. let's see what you think and the notes i've got here were from a blog written on Monday the 13th of December 2010 ah, when okay. the beer so was beer was actually a pup yeah yeah what, what have you got this time Jezza I have got a royal wedding ale uh, which helpfully says especially brewed to celebrate the wedding of his royal highness the prince of wales and lady diana spencer on 29th of july 1981 uh, and this is a bit I'm a bit confused about because it says brewed in England for two brewers. Uh, There's a figure, the number two, two brewers, all one word. 97 Dartmouth Road in London, SE 23. But bottled by Jennings in Cockermouth, which is obviously the, the beer I had first. Uh, and I missed the bit about two brewers. I've, I've just looked them up on that resource that you sent, Steve, that we've been using for the research. Two brewers doesn't get mentioned. So I'm wondering if this is a very early uh, demonstration of uh, contract brewing or a, a label beer or a you know, specially commissioned beer by something that isn't actually a brewery. Who knows? Uh, perhaps not, but 
intriguing, but definitely bottled at uh, Jennings, which we talked about earlier. Again, it's poured with a poured with a big head, and I'm uh, looking forward to tasting it. Ooh, that's a nice one compared. I, I'm going to say it's this first one where the aroma has been a little bit iffy for me. It, it was. Um, it was musky again, but it was more on the damp side of musky. However, getting into the flavour, it's deep, earthy, dark fruits, caramel, and it's thick. It this is this has got a lot of body to it. This one, um, it's actually very, very delicious, which I'm very surprised about. I've got to admit. Yours are getting better as they go along. That they are, they are. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've kind of. You, you'll see what what one comes up next, but the, the the one that I'm doing last, I saved to be last for a reason because I had a suspicion about it. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll come to that when we get to it. Uh, mine's this is probably the lightest in body and feel, and probably color as well. I can't tell because the way the light is, um, but it's got actually still got quite a gentle carbonation going on um a little bit of lacing on the glass again what i haven't had at all and don't know whether this is me at the moment but i'm not really getting much in the aroma so i'm not getting anything putting me off which i, I know for these kind of beers sometimes and i think we've had it steve with one or two fuller's iterations when we've done it but that cellar muskiest muskiness can be a bit off-putting um but there is a flavour there. There is like an underlying, almost like a, I'm going to use the orange marmalade moniker going on. But very light, very subtle. Again, I would never be able to place this beer as being a 40-year-old beer. Um, I mean, you know, Jennings was only three years old. Uh, Ringwood, my one, was only three years old when they made this beer anyway. It's a, a quite young brewery. It's a very young brewery. And obviously yeah. saw an opportunity to, do, to get a bit of extra marketing. Um your beer, Steve, the beer I've, I found, said um, the beer poured a very dark red colour but was completely flat and had bits floating throughout. See, they just didn't know how to, how to didn't, pour it, did they? pour it correctly. That's why That's, that's why you get an expert on that knows how to pour <laughs> these beers. Exactly. And tells that's you how to why, do it. That's why yes. we invited. Yes. The, aroma, the aroma was stale and not pleasant, and although the taste did have some subtle hints of fruit and sweetness, I decided that a couple of sips was more than sufficient. Disagree. Um, you're having it 11 years on. I'm having it 11 years on, but also I will say that um, after acquiring all these beers two years ago and cleaning them up, they have been um, mostly in a dark cupboard until about eight weeks ago when we decided we were going to do this special. Um Obviously, yours then got distributed to you both, and my selection went straight into the fridge at Might that point, where, well. where they've where they've been ever since until about half an hour before recording tonight. So, I, I would say that we've probably benefited from having beers that certainly for the last two years have been looked after. I, I, I do wonder if it's possible to help a beer improve if it's if it's been treated badly before though i, sus I suspect if the damage has been done then it's, it's going to be difficult surely. it's going to be difficult to do much about it uh, maybe we're we, just we, lucky could be could be could be luck i was going to say yeah. it's uh, it can be completely random uh and actually beers can change as well I, of course this beer would have changed there's only one batch brewed um 
but certainly it's just a whole range of different factors that could affect it. Uh, luck is a, a big part of it. But I'm just astonished because the pictures Steve sent of the beers in their bucket, and I'm just thinking, oh my God, if we do this in one sitting together, the next day is going to be the most horrendous day for lots of reasons, all of them bad. And, well, unless there is going to be a bad reaction, but I can't picture right now. I'm three beers in and I'm still pleasantly surprised. And I hope that's coming through yeah. because yeah. I'm just amazed at the um, condition of the beer and that there is all three of the beers I've had so far. I've had an underlying flavour mm-hmm. that I've liked. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that the, the most that the most surprising thing for me is that they've simply been drinkable. Um, because I, I came into this thinking we'd take one sip, that would be it, and, and then they'd get drain poured. But actually, apart from maybe the, the, the tiny little bits in the bottom of the bottles that we've been leaving, I've been drinking all of mine, uh, and I've been, I've been really enjoying them. Yeah, me too. And, and I think this is the least enjoyable of the three, but I'll probably still drink most of it. And... Uh, I think that the, the difference with the first one in particular is it's a much lighter beer. It's definitely got that mustiness, but it lacks any of those big fruitcake flavors we mentioned for a couple of the early beers. Uh, you mentioned a bit of chocolate in one of yours. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not getting any of those richer flavors, which I really enjoy in, in uh, some of the uh, aged beers we've been talking about. I'm thinking particularly Westlake from 12, Thomas Hardy's as well. Um, you get you get all of those big big characteristics of cake and fruit and Madeira and it's all gorgeous. This has got none of these, but it's actually still really really pleasant. I'm I'm just trying to put my finger on what it is I am getting from it. Uh, yeah, I think that's quite hard because I'm getting it's very hard they're, to pinpoint. They're, they're quite subtle flavours now, but I have to admit each of them I've had to have more than one go at getting the cap off as well. Yeah. All uh, three of them so far. That, that's all just got crown to have caps. contributed to their condition, hasn't it? In my, in my mind. There was no way of getting into that bottle. Uh, yeah. That last one was, that really was a, a wrench. Yeah. Required to get it off. I'm, uh, while I'm still amazed and going to top this one up and get some more carbonation, have we got any uh, 1981 facts, Steve? Uh, yeah, yeah, we have. So, uh, in addition to the, the, the royal wedding in, in, in 1981, uh, th- there were some other key events that I managed to find on the old internet, which you wouldn't have been able to have done in 1981. If you wanted to find out something from 1941, you would have had to have gone to the library and, 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 and researched it. So, uh, and, and these were the big ones. For, for me, and I know you've got a couple to add to this, Martin, from a, a, a football perspective, which maybe I wouldn't have looked up. Um, but the first DeLorean, as was later made famous in Back to the Future, uh, was produced in Northern Ireland in, 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 in 1981. Uh, the first London Marathon was held. Bucks Fizz won the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, the first space shuttle was launched, uh, Columbia, successfully. Uh, Cats opened in in the West End. Raiders of the Lost Ark premiered in the United States. MTV launched in the United States as well. And Sebco broke the world mile record for the second time in a month in August 
as 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 well. And I, I think they're quite groundbreaking events from that year. I mean, the, the DeLorean, from our point of view, Steve, the Back to the Future connection. The, the minute I saw that, I was like, that, <laughs> we're mentioning that. We're, we've absolutely got to mention the, the, the DeLorean. You, you guys have got no idea how near to where I grew up the DeLorean factory was. It was just down the road. Brilliant. Excellent. So you, you actually uh, got to see them coming out of the factory as well? Yeah, I mean, there weren't many local buyers, it has to be said. <laughs> uh, I don't but think yeah, there were we... many worldwide buyers, were well, there? <laughs> there were no buyers, full stop. Uh, yeah, uh, we certainly did see the occasional one, probably getting test-driven or something. But yeah, very close, just a few miles away. So yeah, and I, I didn't know it was the 81 was when it started. Totally, It totally figures that. Um, we knew a lot of people who'd been out of work for a long time, who got jobs there. So there was a lot of excitement. Of course, it didn't last very long. Unfortunately, yeah, they got a lot of um, they got a lot of backing from the government for that as well, mm. didn't they? Oh, huge! I mean, uh, the job creation, yeah, because because of the, uh, the, the all the job creation and the huge unemployment, you know, the, and think you know, nineteen eighty one um, wasn't the obvious time for uh, companies to be investing in Northern Ireland, shall we say? The, the first London Marathon, because I remember reading in Runners World a few years ago, but there was still at that point, up until about three or four years ago, there were still some people who'd run every single London Marathon, Steve. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a, it was obviously, it was a dwindling group. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, over a 40 year period, yeah. Yeah. And there were still people who had done the first one who were doing the most recent one, but there was only a really, it was literally, could count on two hands the amount of people who'd done every single one. Because you know what it's for a marathon. You you know you just need to pick up one small niggle or have a a bad week beforehand, and suddenly you might not be in it. So I remember reading that they were talking to these guys who like were, had their stories of their first ones back in 1981. And you know when you watch every London marathon, they always show the first one again, don't they? Yeah. As well. Was, was these... that the one where the the, the 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 two male runners crossed the line together? They, that they almost joined hands and made a point of crossing the line together. I, oh, I, I, I think I just can't remember. That's an interesting point, actually. Um, but yeah, I just found that particular stat amazing as well. Um, but, you know, tying with the, the sporting theme, obviously that year, FA Cup winner was, was Spurs, um, uh, which most people probably won't remember the actual final, but maybe remember the replay when Ricky Villa scored that amazing goal, when he basically tiptoed his way around about six Man City players to, to tuck the ball away. Um, League Cup winners were Liverpool. European Cup winners, Liverpool. I love the, I love the 80s as a Liverpool fan. Um, well, we should move off the subject of football now, shouldn't we? It's quite, <laughs> quite enough. <laughs> was that back when the League Cup was that thing with three handles? As, as, as well, uh, don't, don't know because I think we were getting into the territory of becoming the milk cup, yeah. Yeah, um, I still call uh, it the milk cup. The first division champions were Aston Villa, so the first division at the time would be the Premier League equivalent now, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, so Aston Villa were the Premier League champions in 1982, goodness, in 1981. So, and European champions a year later, yes. Yeah, yeah, which was uh, even more amazing that that happened for Villa. So, yeah, there were some really interesting moments there. I mean, uh, MTV, 1981. I honestly thought MTV was 
I thought it was in the late 70s. I thought it was right at the end of the 70s, but um, clearly not. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought I, it was I, 79 I, I, I or something. I would have gone later 80s. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to think how much things have moved on in, in 40 years. And I think I think one of the things as well is, is, is obviously, you know, we've said it uh, a number of times about all of these breweries and how many of them just don't exist anymore or how many of them were um, subsumed into other companies and became part of, uh, of other breweries. And this, this, this one that I'm drinking now from the, 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 the pain and co in Cambridge here for, for me probably had the most interesting story of, of what and who they became over time. So um, originally founded in 1831 um, then it was acquired by a group of travel agents in 1982 and renamed to Payne & Co. Sorry, uh, sorry, say that again? It was, it was acquired by a group of travel agents in 1982. Obviously. Yeah, because that's, that's what would happen. Um, so a year after the, this, this, this celebration beer was released, they, they, they were... Um, changed into a different company and then in 1987 they were acquired by Tollymash Breweries who then went on to merge with Cobbled and Co Limited yeah that's the old Ipswich town in family. 1957 yeah um went on to become known as Tolly Cobbold uh, who were then acquired in 1977 um sold in 1983 sold again in 1989 in 1990, they were bought out once more and they were reopened just to brew a range of Tolly beers. But then it closed again in 2003 and was eventually bought out by Ridley and Sons. And we know now that Ridley and Sons were eventually bought out by Green King in, in 2006. And, and obviously we know that particularly in Essex, there's still the connection to, to Ridley and Sons through Bishop Nick brewery in in Braintree who the the owner is a direct descendant of the Ridley family yeah and Tolly Cobbled is my where I first the pubs I started drinking in Ipswich back in the day wow <clears throat> what a history yeah and and from from a little brewery in Cambridgeshire that nobody would know exists <laughs> anymore any, any were it not for these odd finds at boot sales fair enough well I'm, uh, I'm ready to open my uh my fourth one, and as I've got a fifth, I'm just going to open this one there while you two are palate cleansing, if that's all right. Yeah, I just, I just had some water because I, I just finished off that last one, and and, and the end of it, while it was quite delicious, it's got that there's quite a, a wouldn't go so far as saying it, it was a cloying feel, but it's it's quite an oily stickiness that that the, you get from these beers, particularly that one at the end as well was really sticky at the end. And, and there was a little bit of a, a little bit of spiky bitterness coming through as well, which I was quite pleased to feel, but certainly when I finished that, I definitely needed a good, um, a good guzzle of some water to, 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 to cleanse down a little bit. Well, I've opened the fourth. So Royal Wedding, 29th of July, 1981, Moorland from Abingdon. So Abingdon on Thames, England, Moorland, 275 milliliters, um, I've got a bit of information about the brew, which I'll share in a bit. Dates back to 1711. At the, uh, it's the earliest date I can find for this one. And again, it's it's a brownish golden colour. Um, it can't come out too well on the screen because of the natural light behind me. Looks like it's got a bit of life in it. And You've definitely got a bit of a head there, uh, Martin. 
yeah so i'm quite pleased with that mm-hmm. well I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna open my final one and and, and this is uh kind of the, the the one that i've been banking on because of who it's brewed by so this is simply called royal wedding owl and it's by shepherd neem so i'm i've got some confidence that it might have aged well because i know that um shepherd neem do do their annual christmas beer which is designed for aging whether this was designed for aging or not is, is, is another thing but um I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens mine was bit. fine again i mean i was i have to admit i'm just going into each beer thinking there's going to be some off flavors or off aromas or something really pungent and it's not happening and i think i'm being caught out every time consistently yeah i'd love to know what that that last one really intrigues me because i think there was a cracking beer in there uh what that would have been like fresh yeah it's, it's it would be lovely to know wouldn't it because i think my first one which was the darker bit the one i was getting some of those uh rich fruitcake notes from maybe fresh but maybe within a year or so of the bot coming out being coming out that would have been a a, a fantastic beer or you know on cask mm. the, the cask mm. dispense would just lift it that little bit as well um whereas the other ones have been very much more but again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I, I have this thing in my head, but, you know, even when we were only 10 years into camera in 1981, weren't we? So 71 was when they first got together or when it first had some sort of formation. And so, you know, it was still working its way through the system with these breweries getting these beers and stuff. And I know that real ale in the bottle probably hadn't been classified then, but these all feel like real ales that we're drinking so far? Yeah, very much so. I, I just remembered what, what that last one reminded me of. It was like a, a slightly less potent version of Fuller's 1845. Somewhere in that territory is what I think that beer might have been like when it was fresh. And it was slightly annoying because there were some really good bits left. But it just got that bit, uh, a bit too much of that mustiness and a bit too much of the flavour had fallen away. Slightly frustrating because I think it was a cracking beer at the end point. It's, it's, it's quite interesting picking up on what, what, what you're saying there, Jezza, particularly in, in, in this day and age of drink fresh, hops fade fast. And, you, you, you know, beers are, are designed to be put in cans and be to be drunk as quickly as possible. Um and, and and you think back to to, to, to forty years, and it, it didn't even seem to be a consideration back then. I mean, as as we've pointed out, there's no there's no best before dates on 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 any of these beers. Uh, there's certainly no bottled on dates. Uh, there's there's no suggestion that they should have been drunk fresh. Is is there? No, and and nor is there any suggestion that they might age well, which is you know in stark contrast to the Thomas Hardys we discussed earlier, where they they. They pitch for 25 years. Some of the Belgian Lambics have 20, 30, 40 years on them. Yeah, Cantillon uh, is 20, 30, isn't it, often? Yeah, pretty, pretty, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's uh, you see some serious dates. I'm pretty sure Tree Fontaine have put 20 or 25 years on their bottles. Uh, and they can easily, they can continue to get better. It's not just last till that time. They can continue to get better beyond that time. And there's been many examples of that. Uh, but, you know, in general, I would completely agree. Beer, uh, in general, is better fresh. You know, and there's nothing better. We all enjoy going out to pubs. That's what we've missed so much 
over the, the period of the pandemic when places have been closed. We love going to pubs and brewery taps and festivals to taste beer fresh. And that's when beer is presented at its best in the vast majority of, of cases. Uh, but it, it is so fascinating experimenting with, with ageing, isn't it? And I think we've seen that tonight with virtually all the beers that we've tried. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, you know, we never, it wasn't our intention to age these beers. We, I, I came across them. I was lucky enough to, 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 to get them um, via M Sister via a boot sale. So, um, but it was always my intention to drink them. Um, and it, it was always my intention that they would feature on, on a podcast as well, because there was no way I was going to sit down and drink all of these beers on, on, on my own. I, I think it's been really interesting, actually, to, to, to taste them and, and, and to see what we've got from them as, as, as well. Because, as, as I said earlier on, there's not a single one of these, I would say, has been undrinkable. Yeah, which I, 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 I still don't understand. I think, I think Jez, Jez is right. I mean, you know, we, we you know, I don't think any of these beers have benefited from 40 years in the bottle. But they certainly haven't deteriorated as much. So they are, I mean, I suppose two, two things, I mean, I haven't opened the fifth one, but they're all in very dark bottles, all of the ones I've had. There's no clear bottles. There's no green bottles. They've all been in very dark brown bottles. The caps have been extraordinarily well sealed, those crown caps. Um, and perhaps... They were in a, a cellar, an actual slightly damp, cool place that wasn't as prone to the elements and the seasonality. Because I'm still, I'm still, I, I would have thought that, you know, if they'd been in a shed or a barn or something, then they're going to be getting hit with the, the highs and lows of the temperatures, aren't they? Um, whereas in a cellar, you tend to be fairly one one note a lot of the time. So. I, you know the, the the carbonation. They're not putting me off. There isn't this. There isn't a pungent aroma. There isn't off flavors. I've had worse fresh beers. Yeah, for sure. I've yeah. had worse oh. fresh beers that I've drained for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, abs ab absolutely. I, I completely agree with, with with what you're saying there. I mean, it's you, you've you've got a question whether the, the 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 person that was selling these at the boot sale knew what they had on their hands, because just just before we started recording tonight, I did. I did look up one of them because we were looking for, for, for one of the names and it came up on eBay along with a lot of the other beers that we've been drinking tonight. And each of them was selling for a tenner a beer. And, and I, I didn't nearly say to you guys, forget the show. I want those beers back. Um, <laughs> they, they're, they're going on eBay. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you, you would have thought they've got to have been to a certain extent, not looked after, but, that they've at least been maybe kept cool. And, and I wonder if that's what the, the, the result, because as I say, they, they, they were covered in mould. So it's possible they were in a damp place. It's possible they were in a cellar. It's, it's you know, it's possible they were put in that bucket in the, in, in the cellar of an old pub and forgotten about and, and until somebody was clearing the cellar out. It does make you think about the providence of where, how these have traveled over 40 years. Mm. Um, but I mean, if I, if I look at the brewery that produced the one I'm drinking now, I said go back to 1711. So they started off in Berkshire, moved to Oxfordshire in 1974. Um, there were monsters in West 
Isley by Benjamin Morland, Eagle Brewery acquired in 1861 and Abbey Brewery in 1866. The brewing was concentrated at Eagle Brewery. Registered in October 1887 after the purchase of Ruddles Brewery Limited in 1997. Financial problems culminated in the purchase in 1999 by Green King and Sons Limited. So the brewery was closed, converted into housing and the brands being transferred to Bury St Edmunds. Now, Moorlands does ring a bell. Mm. Not the Moorland Abingdon on Thames, but Moorland does ring a bell as a name. Like maybe that's coincidence or maybe it's another one. Isn't, do you find it interesting how many of these breweries have eventually ended up under the ownership of Green King? Mm. And actually, I haven't mentioned which beer I'm drinking now. I saved the Green King Royal Wedding Ale for my fourth beer. 275 mils, uh, Green King Royal Wedding Ale, specially brewed in celebration of the marriage of HRH Prince Charles and Lady Diana Spencer, 20th July 1981. Brewed in UK by Green King and Sons Limited Suffolk. Um, I have read out every piece of information on the label. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, rather good it is too. Interesting pouring it into a big tulip, which was the whole point of getting the Duval glass out for this. Uh, it did pour with a really good head. It's a sort of dark amber, I would say. Uh, probably a bit darker than a dark amber, whatever the next grade up is. Um, Certainly not a dark beer, but I'm getting, I'm getting much more of that sort of Christmas cake aroma and flavour that I got on the very first beer, which was the Jennings one. And again, I'm just left thinking, I'd really love to know what the ABV of this is. But I'm still thinking with none of them, they're that strong. It would be fascinating to know what their original ABVs were. Definitely. Um, Definitely. So I've got the fifth beer, my fifth one. I'm, I'm going to open before we finish. And Marwin is actually described as a very strong ale. Oh, mm. okay. So that but it, it doesn't tell me anything else. It just says six, a very strong ale. Maybe 6%. See, it depends on your perspective. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, from I, a Bel Belgian perspective, that's, um, you know, that's going to be, well. I think, I think the thing is, for, for me, that the, the, with all of, all of these beers we've drunk is, is, is obviously... Yes, they're, they're lacking the information on the label that we're very much used to now with, with, with beers. And a lot of that's down to legislation as well, isn't it? You, you know, beers have to contain or carry certain information that, that these days that maybe 40 years ago that, that they didn't have to. The, the, the more interesting thing is, is kind of the range of the bottle sizes that, that, that we've got, ranging from the what seems to be the 180 mil as, as the smallest bottles up to the 275 i'm going to say as the bigger bottles i don't think i don't think any of us have got a bottle bigger than 275 have we all of mine are 275 and no no variation and i had a 180 and a 264 as well as three 275s yeah and it's it, i i think it's a real snapshot of time as well because obviously all of these beers were brewed to commemorate the the, the royal wedding in 1981 and that's not something we really see breweries doing anymore, is it? We don't see these sort of commemorative beers being be, being brewed to be be released to coincide with major events, do we? Not so much. I mean, you get like at the start of the Six Nations, you get a load of trad beer rebadged, 
with some sort of yeah. rugby moniker, I, I, won't you? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking you see quite a few cask beers, some of them with very dodgy um, pump clips uh, for various things. The rugby springs to mind. I didn't, I was going to say for the Euros, because pubs had only just reopened, so probably not, not a big thing for the football recently. But I'm sure there were quite a few for the Royal Wedding 10 years ago. But bottles? Not so sure. Because I, I, I wonder whether these were, were, were actually brewed to be more of a souvenir than, than to ever actually be drunk. Maybe. I, was think, I was thinking that, because again, all the beers have made it front and centre what the beer is about, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, there's no hiding no, that these were even... brewed for the royal wedding. <laughs> I mean, this one I've got now is called... This one is, this one is probably actually the least linking in directly to the wedding apart from the actual writing so it just says royal heritage but they have got a picture of saint paul's cathedral on the front but they haven't actually said the royal been in the small writing it's then uh commemorate commemorate the wedding of hrh princess prince of wales to lady diana spencer and the date um so this is from gibbs mew and co in salisbury um who again had a bit of a checkered history uh Started off in 1750, uh, went through various iterations, became a pub code themselves, and eventually ended up being sold to Enterprise Inns. Went down that, that proper pub co route in the end. But um, yeah, I, 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 I wonder if you're right there, Steve, that uh, they weren't bought to be, because I that maybe people bought them to drink at home while watching the Royal Wedding, but I'm not even sure that's the case. No, I'm I'm, I'm not sure it was. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think back to, there were the plates. Yeah, yeah. the plates, the mugs, the tea towels. Everything was a souvenir, oh, wasn't it? It was about yeah. it was about commemorating that event with any old shit you could put the the, the branding on mm-hmm. and, and and sell to the, the the public that they would have in their house. Um, and and I do wonder whether that was the main purpose of these beers, if if they were brewed purely. As, as souvenirs I, I mean i i can't imagine that any of the the, the, the 12 brewers that, that that brewed the beers that we've drunk this evening ever stood and thought you know what in 40 years time somebody's going to be talking about these on a podcast well they wouldn't have known what a podcast was no back, back then but, but would have thought about 40 years either no but it would also be interesting to know whether there are whether the brewers are still out there and whether they've maybe got a crate of these beers in their shed you, you know, all, that all of those com- all of those concepts would have blown their mind. Yeah, the podcast forty years. It's well, it's, yeah. it's almost tying into the whole DeLorean thing, isn't it? And yeah. and, and and we could go off on a whole tangent there uh, about time travel, but that's that's not for this show. Uh, but that that's a, that is a good like a good fall because they the labels are all of these labels would fit on a tea towel or a plate or a mug. Yeah, it is. It is that kind of ilk. So you may have a good point there, Steve, because surely, especially in the eighties, you were going. You were either having your traditional bottles, maybe if you're having a, a light and dark, or you were having a pint. Then would you have ordered these in the pub? I don't know. I I I, I should probably send pictures of these to my mum and dad, given that we lived above an off license, in and see where they stopped them. Um. 
I don't remember us having any celebration beers in, but then again, it, I was 10, it could have bypassed me in that respect. I, I, I remember things like Watney's part, Party 7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because it was an enormous can. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to ask them if, they, if we sold any um, celebration beers for the wedding back in the day. Be quite here again. I probably should have done this before the show as well. It's it's great that we're deciding to do research towards the end of the show. That's 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 brilliant. <laughs> it's exactly what our listeners have come to expect. Um, <laughs> I, I I think we should probably start beginning to, to to wrap this up actually because um I think I've probably had my fill of of, of forty year old beers uh, uh, about now. Um, is there uh, an? I'm going to kind of drop this on 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 you guys. Is there is is there one thing that that you can take away from what we've done here on 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 this show, Je- Jezza? Uh, experimentation is really quite good fun, and you can have some very surprising results. But I would also say, don't expect every beer to age well. Yeah, some, I, some wise I, I, words there. I'd agree with that. I think this is de- this sort of experiment is definitely done better in company. I mean, we're doing it virtually. Yeah. Uh, I think this would have been even more fun if we'd been sat around the table and we could have poured each beer into three glasses. Mm. I think that kind of thing is much more fun in company where you can share the beers and 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 taste the same beers at the same time. Um, the whole book by its cover, because I had written these beers off. I'd written these beers off from the time you sent me the picture, Steve, two years ago but these were ever going to be on the show thinking, Oh God, that day is going to come. Um, I'm and, surprised and it, I actually got you to do it because I, yeah, I yeah, you, you were so against it that I thought we're never going to do this. I couldn't think it was a good idea, but none of the beers have been awful. None of the beers have put me off. Um, I think Jez is right. Just because it's old and stored. And this is exactly the same in the wine world as well doesn't mean it's going to be good just because someone says, it's, you know, look, we've, we've looked after this for 40 years. If it's a beer that wasn't meant to necessarily do anything after, you know, 18 months, it probably isn't going to get much better. Um, but I would, I would say that we may have been lucky at the way it's been stored and the skill of the brewers and what they've used, the bottles and the caps. I, I just think there is an element there as well. I don't think it can be coincidence. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with, well, what, what, what you've both said there. I mean, it's an easy get out for me going last, isn't it? Um, <laughs> in, in, in terms of just agreeing with what you've said. But I, I, I think we've been lucky. Um, I'd, I'd say probably uh, three out of the four of mine I've really enjoyed. I've actually really struggled with this last one from Shepherd Neem. Um, it, it's not been as tasty as the, the, the other three I had. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would have been nice to have done these in company. Uh, maybe maybe a, a bit of a group of you around the table with some like you know some really small pours of these and and, and some cheese I think some cheese would have gone really well with, with with some of these as well I think it just would have balanced out really nicely but I've 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 really enjoyed the experimentation I think it's been um, a lot of fun and much like you Martin I wrote them off uh, before we even started recording um, but yeah the fact that they've been drinkable that's enough for me I'm, I'm happy with that I've got another thought that perhaps we underestimated the skill of the brewers concerned. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we look back with, you know, limited information about what going to a pub was like in 1981. But the perception is that there wasn't much choice and there was a you know, whole um, concern about uh, you know, saving 
uh, real ale and, you know, big beer dominating and bland beer dominating. And, and actually, there were some good beers being brewed, if you knew where to look. And it turns out that the, the random bucket, wherever that bucket was, <laughs> was the place to look. Because these, these, these beers, I mean, these beers are pretty damn good. Let's be, let's be honest here. And if we'd had them fresher, we oh, could be I, raving about these. Agree, agreed. I, I, I think um, having these, um, when they came out, when they were meant to be souvenirs and never open, but if you had taken them out of a little box, if that's what they're in, you know, that when people get toys and keep them in the box forever, um, I think all of them would have been very good, to be honest. And yeah, it probably has changed. And like I said, it's only 10 years into, you know, camera saving real ale. Um, but if this is an example, then it would look like they'd been doing, they had started to do quite a good job. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a key message to, to take away from, 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 from this show is that, you know, that these beers were brewed 10 years after camera started. So they, that the, the tide was turning, it, it, it would seem. Definitely. It's been, and apart from it, it's been really good fun, actually. Yeah, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And we would love to hear from our listeners. Um, let us know if you've had any really old beers and, and, and whether they were any good. Uh, and, and let us know your recollections on 1981 as, as well. Is there anything that we missed as we were looking back 40 years on this show? Use the hashtag opinions and we will find that and feed it back on a future show. Jezza, thank you so much for giving up your time um, to, to drink uh, some dusty old shit that we found at a boot sale with us this evening. And we promise the next time we invite you on, it will be with a much better range of aged <laughs> beers that, 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 that we have. Um, it's, it really has been great uh, listening to your expertise uh, again on, 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 on this show. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks again for having me. And uh, I have to say the, the experience was, uh, as, as you've been saying, slightly better than anticipated. So I really enjoyed it too. Thanks again, guys. And I think on that note, all that's left to say is cheers. 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 cheers.